This is the Mana Bites Podcast. I'm Landon DeCrastus, and Mana Bites Podcast is a ministry of ministrysauce.com. There have been some ideas that I've had about this podcast in the past, and uh, every once in a while I'll talk myself out of it, but every once in a while, on top of that, I will go ahead and talk myself into something else. Uh, today is a, a very special day. And I hope that we can do this more often, and perhaps it will evolve over time. But I have Janine Gerald once again here with me today. Say hello. Hello. And she is going to be having a conversation with me. The last time, well, first of all, let me uh, provide some backstory here. If you remember a few podcasts ago, we talked about Janine in the context of Silent Blessings Deaf Ministries, where she told us more about what that ministry does and um, just more about how we can become involved in the prayer sense, giving, all of those kind of things. Today, I would like to really think about um, Scripture. And we, are, we happen to be in a Bible study together um, on Mondays. And one of the things that we do is, you know, we, in that Bible study, we tend to talk more about application and all those kind of things but I really want to take some scripture today and and just kind of pull it apart go down some rabbit trails allow ourselves that kind of ability to do so so I was talking to her about this idea and I said you know I think that uh, Proverbs would be a good place to start uh, Proverbs chapter 4 is what we mentioned and then um, uh, three, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter three, and it's okay to actually talk and you know <laughs> and correct me and stuff like that. So Proverbs chapter three, and we talked about this a little bit, and I said, you know what, I think maybe Galatians is where we should go. I've been kind of teasing back and forth, trying to figure out, you know, which one should we go with, and she brought up an interesting point that there are some definite similarities between the the general idea of what we're getting at here. So, Proverbs uh, 3, I was about to say 4 again, can you believe that? And um, so, first of all, I'm going to go ahead and um, ask Janine, what kind of things did you see, first of all? What I saw was Proverbs indicated that we need to look to God, not human constructs, not human understanding. Um, and then when we get to Galatians, Paul is, is kind of trying to give them a, a little shake and saying, hey guys, why is it that you are going back to human constructs? Why are you going back to your human understanding? You need to look to God. And he, he later says, um, I'm going to jump ahead, I'm sorry. But he later reminds us. We can go us, back and forth and, and you know, <laughs> weave in, weave out. You know, this is definitely what this is for. And yes, go ahead, go ahead. He later reminds us that, that the covenant is built on Abraham, on the promise to Abraham, and Abraham's faith as demonstrated by obedience. And what is asked for in Proverbs is that we trust God, we lean on him, not on, um, not on anything. But Abraham was 430 years before Moses, so the law didn't even come along as as a construct until 430 years after God's covenant with Abraham based on faith. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so kind of one of the, just a little bit of background so that um, our hearers here can uh, kind of start to get into our mentality here. For, first of all, um, let's start with Proverbs. Proverbs is a collection of, of wisdom uh, sayings, you know, uh, taken down by Solomon, King Solomon, back in the day, so to speak, you know, son of David. And if you've read anything about David, you know that he had quite a successful rule. Um, but anyway, Solomon comes along, and one of the things that he does is, you know, God was so pleased with him and his faithfulness, and faithfulness is a huge um, theme with Solomon. So he, you know, he tells Solomon to ask for whatever you want. So Solomon asks him for wisdom, which, you know, I would have asked for like a Lamborghini or, you know, something to that effect. I think I would have asked for something more um, material in nature. So Solomon asks God for wisdom out of anything else. And that was, that's also a huge theme when it comes to Solomon's life and Solomon's uh, practice of, uh, of kingdom building. And that's a huge theme in itself. But um, So Solomon decides that he's going to write down just general wisdom. And so we talk about things like finances and worship. Uh, we talk about business practices and things like that. So in Proverbs chapter 3, um, we, we definitely see that this is one of those um, chapters that we call a my son chapter. And it's written as if a father to a son. So, so we have that. And then we have Galatians, which Paul was getting kind of angry, you know, at, at these Galatians. And Galatians could have, could have really referred to a lot of different churches in Galatia. Um, but essentially, one thing that was going on in the book of Galatians and in that time period was all of these people were being converted to Christianity. And... Um, while the early Christian movement started out as a very Jewish Jewish movement, that you know you had the rituals and you had all those kind of things, here were different people who called themselves apostles, teachers, and all those kind of things that were going into these Gentile areas and saying, "Well, you know, you you really probably should convert to Judaism before." You convert to Christianity, so they were looking at it very much as a before you come to Christ. Here are things that you got to do, you know. Okay. And so when we get into the you foolish Galatians part, which you know we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, I, I I very much picture Paul getting upset. You know, like why are you teaching these people that they need to be circumcised? And you, and we know that would have been a hard sell to the to the men in the congregations. You know, like you have to be circumcised and you have to go through all of these rituals and festivals before Jesus. So it was a Jesus and situation. Pretty much. Um, but it, I don't know that Paul's anger was pointed at the Galatians. Um, let's suppose uh, you and your son are walking along and somebody comes and, and lures your son away with candy or ice cream or whatever. Mm -hmm. Are you angry with your child or are you scared and furious with the person who would do such a thing, who would threaten the health of your child by drawing him away to something that is not his father? So I see Paul going at it from that perspective 
saying, you know, guys, you know that that trust in God is is what's required. You know that leaning on your own understanding is is not going to make it. So why now, after having trusted God and living in freedom, are you letting people drag you away with rituals? So he was, he was more acting out of, uh, what you're saying is he's more acting out of, uh, there might be an indignation there, but not directed at the Galatians, but at the teachers who were just kind of leading them completely down the wrong road. Right. Right. So, um, and I think it's interesting. So um, you, what what chapter do you have open there? Uh, yeah, you have four and five. And at the moment, four and yeah, five. Yeah. So I'm going to read um, in Galatians chapter one that emphasizes what I, be, I believe you just said. Um, starting with verse six, um, Paul says, I am astonished. Now, we, we, we probably have a slightly different um, uh, um, versions, which is, which is great. So we kind of hear it from different angles. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Jesus and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So, yeah, I definitely hear that. That, um, like, why, why are you listening to this? Or, uh, you know, tell, tell me who hurt you. You know, <laughs> you know that, that kind of mentality. So I really like when you're, when you're talking about, like, relating it to my son or my daughter. Uh, who, has, who has messed with your head? Precisely. Yeah. And if your son or daughter start coming to you in a different manner right now, I've seen them. They run into your arms. That's my daddy, and I'm going to go get a hug right now. If suddenly they start coming to you with their tail between their legs and their head down, you're going to start asking yourself, what is going on? Because this is not how my child and I interact. And on behalf of God, Paul is saying the same thing. My children, why are you not running and embracing me, you know, God, as you know that you're welcome to do? What is it that, what is it that has added constrictions to your world? What is this chain? Because all the chains are supposed to be broken. Yeah, I, I come to uh, think about that song, uh, Chain Breaker. Mm. You know, yeah. if you've got pain, he's a chain breaker. Um, now, one of the two, two things that were going through my mind at the same time. So when I get talking about scripture, like there are two or three things that go through my head at the same time. Only three. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm a guy. So, you know, only, you know, usually it's only one and uh, very limited at that. But. But I got, I got to thinking about this in our current context. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot of things, uh, social media, uh, maybe in the news or something like that, about churches that are getting spotlighted for a bad reason. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the concept of spiritual abuse. Or well, let me give you an example of what I'm mm-hmm. talking talk what angle I'm talking about. Um when, well, when Paul says, and this is going on from that passage, um, go ahead and find where I was. Verse 8 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the ones that we preach uh, to you, let them be under God's curse. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and people use that in the context of if anyone tells you anything different than I said, then God's going to get them. Lightning bolt coming from the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see that as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's not quite the direction I started to go when you said spiritual abuse. But mm-hmm. what, what, what were you thinking? I was thinking um, of growing up under the holy knothead system where your hair has to be the appropriate length oh, according to your gender absolutely. and there shall be no jewelry and your your lower clothing whether it's pants or skirt is completely dependent on your gender um, and no makeup and no movies and no this no that no anything else just basically go to church come home sit in your rocker and don't sin um, which that, is completely different than than the gospel that that is presented. That is, you know, you are you are set free now. Go preach freedom to everybody else, because I want my children running freely into my arms. That's what I made them for relationship with me. Mm. Says God. You know, and we had talked about Galatians chapter three, which we'll talk about here in just a second. I think. Um, uh, relating to the Proverbs chapter 3, but I honestly think that this has a lot of application as well because that holy knothead system you're talking about. And one of the the things that came to my mind in Proverbs chapter 3, so we're going to be bouncing back and forth here, is uh, I'll, I'll quickly go through the first few verses here. My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and many peace and prosperity. Now, this is the part that I think is connecting directly to to yours, and this gives us, I think, I think a general idea of what it means to live a God fearing, God following life. You know, it says, "Love and love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart." Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, those those ancient Jews back then, they would have heard the word tablet, they would have thought law, you know, they would have thought law, rules, all those kind of things. I mean, obviously, that's not the only thing tablets were used for, but the, the mental rabbit trail he was wanting to take them down, I believe, is is the concept of the law that you should be following. It's very It's a very proto-Jesus kind of uh, mentality, you know, the law that you are to follow is the one that is wrapped around and filtered through the concept of love and faithfulness. So right. that gives us a different picture than the holy knothead. Very much so. I locked in on the mercy and truth uh, found in verse three, and um, in Moody's Bible Commentary, uh, it's Hesed and Emet. Uh, I know that I've heard several um, sermons on Hesed, uh, which I'm not saying it right because I'm American, not... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, Anyway, but I found... uh, I started to look it up, and there are 10 entries in the Thompson Chain Reference uh, Concordance that refer to mercy and truth as a phrase in and of itself. Um, and they are found in several times in Psalms, a couple times in Proverbs, once in Isaiah, and uh, and once in Micah, where God says, "What is it that that God demands of you, O man, but to uh, 
seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. <clears throat> That's what he said in Micah was his requirements. Um, and then when I looked up uh, mercy in the strong, strongest concordance, um, I got three columns uh, of references, like large book, large page, tiny writing, three full columns of references to the mercy of God and the mercy he expects us to show to others. The other thing I locked in on was verse two. Um, nope, not verse two. Still verse three, where it says, put it on your neck. When it's on, when something is on your neck, it's noticeable. You, it's, you can feel it. And especially in the context of a lady, your eye is drawn there. So let mercy and truth be that which is noticed of you mm -hmm. and then write it on your heart. That's what influences your character and your behavior. Mm -hmm. Let mercy and truth be the influence of your life and let it be displayed and noticeable to others. It's almost like in, in a positive context, in, in this particular context, it's almost like, an, for lack of a better term, irritation. You know, it's like you can't, you can't do something without this becoming an issue, you know. But we're, but we're looking at that, uh, filter that through your mind in a positive way, you know. That, like with love and faithfulness wrapped around your neck, we are looking at it as, like, you can't, if, if you're living this life, you can't do anything but, like, or, and that's not the good way to put it, but you can't, you can't get around living the life God wants you to if these are wrapped around your neck. That. Yeah. Um, and then I had a, I'm going to give you a moment in case you need to edit this out. I had a thought that was a little, a little more morbid, maybe. If you have mercy and truth around your neck, you will never become a sacrifice. You will never be garroted, if you will. Mm -hmm. You are protected from the stabs that would take out important um, arteries and favorite crime drama scenarios and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And now I shall pause again in case you need to edit this out. No, I don't think, I think that's a great illustration. I don't think that I definitely wouldn't need to edit that. I think that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Because so there, there's that protection. There is that. So if we think about, for instance, the, um, uh, the suit of armor, that that is a very vulnerable spot. You know, that, also true. that needs to be, uh, by any structural engineer that comes, whoever is in charge of designing armor, that's a soft spot that people often go for. In the animal kingdom, mm -hmm. you know, we, we see, you know, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, uh, going, you were, you were going to do it, I saw it, I saw it in your <laughs> eyes. We were... <laughs> You know, they go for the neck because that is the most debilitating soft spot. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, alligators, same way. So, I, yeah, I, I, that's a sensitive part, so he's trying to draw attention to it. You know, is what you're saying, it sounds like. Well, it was just one of the thoughts that came in with the mercy and truth on your neck and on your... Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a, that is a, a great illustration so, did you say there were other places that you found it as well? Oh, um, according to Thompson, mercy and truth is in, sec as a phrase, is in 2 Samuel fifteen twenty, 
Psalms 25.10, Psalms 57.3, Psalms 85.10, Psalms 89.14, Psalms 115.1, Proverbs 14.22, Proverbs 16.6, Isaiah 16.5, and Micah 6.8. Wow. You will want to put that in your blog so people can actually look them up. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I, I might go ahead and, uh, when I listen to this as I'm editing, I might go ahead and put links to all of those, you know. Uh, or you could just email them to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we could, yeah, that's fascinating. So let's get on. To, let's let's go back to um, Galatians because we're we're dealing with if we're in the scene, and I and I love to think about things like in the context of plays or movies or you know putting myself in the physical realm that they were in. So if we're in the scene. And we are in one of the churches of Galatia. I just had this um, evangelist um, come and talk to me about, like, I, I was thinking, if I remember correctly, that all I had to do was accept the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, um, accept his forgiveness, all of the things that I've heard to, that I didn't, I'm, I'm a Gentile, and I don't, feel like I really connect with the, with a lot of the um, Judaic law, you know. And I don't understand why I would need to do that. But this evangelist is, is coming to me saying, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, you're circumcised. You need to make sure that um, you convert to Judaism fully. Um, I know that for the longest time you've been eating meat that was sacrificed to pagan gods. Um, you need to stop doing that. And I'm thinking, well, why? You know, why? Like, I still feel like my life is producing fruit for the gospel as I've heard it, you know. So Paul is writing to me and writing to our leaders and things like that. And yet, as you said earlier, he's kind of negating what those evangelists were telling me. This is true. Um, I will toss in one caution, not to be heretical or holy knothead, but all throughout Scripture, we've still got the mandate to walk in integrity with God. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus himself said, walking in integrity with God does not include what you put in your mouth, because what you put in your mouth is going to come out the other end eventually. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but but walking in integrity with God. So the fact that he is faithful, the fact that he is merciful, the fact that he is loving, the fact that he is um, forgiving, he is holy. We can't simply walk away from his holiness. And Paul references that somewhere else. You can't just, once you've entered into the relationship with God and you're walking in integrity with him, that relationship is going to stand fast because God is the one who himself guaranteed it alone in the promise um, to Abraham and those right. who would be faithful and walk in obedience. In Proverbs and in Galatians, we still need to walk in obedience, but obedience to God and his character, not obedience to human constructs. So please continue to not murder your neighbor. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, quit doing to, that if you were thinking. <laughs> you know, please continue to not steal. Please continue to, you know, what what God said his base requirements are. Mm -hmm. 
the other 613 laws about you know making sure that on the um, whichever moon it is you do whatever ritual it is that's all set aside because it was exemplary um, I'm gonna uh, May I dart into the swimming metaphor? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> when I was a child, I took uh, swimming lessons at the YMCA. Um, longer story to that, but if you are a swimmer, you know that you are supposed to kick your legs in, a, in straight, as though you did not have knees, and you're supposed to kick from the hip. Um, this will propel you forward when you're in the water. Now, my problem was I was kicking from my knees, and so the instructor told my parents to wrap newspaper around my legs and have me kick on the bed as a training exercise. This was a training exercise. You never see somebody getting ready to get into the water taping newspaper around their knees mm -hmm. because that's <laughs> counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what Paul ends up telling them when he's talking about, you know, when when you're a child, you're like a servant in your own home and, and that sort of thing. He was talking about, we had the training exercise, the Old Testament and the rules and all of that stuff is, you know, what it looks like to walk in integrity with God, to walk as a separate people. Mm -hmm. That's the newspaper, that's the training exercise. And now he's saying, now that you can swim, now that Christ is here and, and we've, we've seen what was promised and, and we have full deliverance of what was promised, take the stinking newspapers off and go swim. Mm -hmm. It's um, time to go, yeah. Because the, the training exercise, I mean, continue to be in training, continue to you know kick from your hip and all of that, but do this without the hindrance um, of that, mm -hmm. that baggage. The training module. It, so what you're, you're saying is the one, one of the functions of the law and ritual and all of those things not not a bad thing but they were meant to prepare us for something precisely yeah so um and we know as christians as uh, ministers and all those kind of things that the bible is one of my favorite professors slash pastors that i love listening to uh, dr tim Mackey. he says that the bible is a unified story that all leads to jesus obviously um every part of it uh, there are different sections with different kinds of writing and all of those kind of things so whenever it's poetry we listen as poetry when we when it's history we listen as history when um so on and so forth so unified story that all leads and i'll even add culminates with jesus because even though we're looking chronologically and boom we end in revelation which is a whole other animal in itself that still is culminating in Jesus uh, no matter what so the law I think sometimes we as Christians in the new covenant get a bad we, we give it a bad rap the Jewish law mm, so right. we we say well or or let me just even be more broad and just say the Old Testament you mm. know we we give it a bad rap like oh that's before Jesus you know like that doesn't even apply anymore when if we were to look at the entire scripture, it's like, uh, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's almost like, let's use your child analogy. It's almost like you're telling your child that you need to do things in this particular way, or um, I'm keeping this certain structure in your life. And if you never give them because, the word because, then 
there's going to be a lot of rebellion. Now, that's not an entirely uh, sound illustration only because we look back at the Israelites or look back at the early Christians and there was still a lot of rebellion going on. Still and they didn't care about the why necessarily. But I just feel like that there's some value in learning about the heritage, um, learning about how our minds collectively were trained, our hearts were trained to then perceive what Jesus was doing in a completely different way, you know, you know, in a, in a meaningful way. And um, when when I hear people telling me, you know, well, I, I just focus on what Jesus said, I would like to remind us all the very first recorded words of Jesus in the Bible are, let there be light. Mm-hmm. Starts from the beginning. Yes, it does. And, the, and, and, you know, and I do talk to pastors about this from other uh, faith heritages, and we, you know, we like to have our talks and things. That there is no specific uh, mention of the word Trinity in the Bible, but at the same time, there are implications throughout, and maybe even the word Trinity might even be a um, a very simplified understanding. Well, we are simple creatures. Yeah, we are simple creatures, and we have to think of things in a very linear sort of way. You know. I'm, like this is the only way I can explain it. But so anyway, the reason I say that is, you know, Genesis chapter one, it has the word they, you know, yeah. uh, referring to God and referring to the acts of God and things like that. Or not necessarily the word they, but the, the word is plural. I mean, the, the, the reference to God is plural, not pluralistic religion, oh, heavens but no. monotheistic religion, one, one God in that. But, um, you know, the implication of multiple personalities and, and um, offices, perhaps, uh, simultaneously. So, okay. Oh, I'm going to shy away from multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah, not, but, not <laughs> and go multiple persons, multiple persons, roles. Yes. Personalities, um, but not personality. So, yes, yes, I, I understand where you're getting from for that. Yeah. God unified is certainly mission. not schizophrenic. Right. <laughs> Unified mission, unified purpose, one God, you know. So we could go ahead and get into that all day, you know, all that kind of stuff. But but the point being is that there is that plural feeling when when looking at, at that first uh, chapter. Um, so we were talking before this podcast ever started about, you would ask the question, about where something was found in Matthew, and we were kind of discussing that, and I thought that was really interesting, because I feel like it connects the wording of Paul, who wrote Galatians, um, sounds a lot like the wording of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 23, I believe. 23. 23 15. So, um, you, you have Galatians open right now, right? Uh, I've got Galatians. Four, I've know. also got Matthew. So. Okay, <laughs> well, go ahead, go? go ahead and read, if you don't mind, uh, read the Matthew passages, uh, passage and, and understanding that what Jesus was talking about here. Actually, I'm just going to let it be pure by itself. So go, go, go ahead and, and read what Jesus said, and then we'll, we'll discuss that and, and transition to what Paul said. Okay, uh, Matthew 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore that they bid you observe, observe and do, but don't 
do after their works, for they say and do not. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, that's the box on their foreheads, mm -hmm. enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts, the chief seats in the synagogues, the greetings in the markets, to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not be called, do not be called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all of you are brethren. And I'm going to jump down a little bit because mm -hmm. there's a lot. See, we, yeah, we um, kind of set the scene there that these, these religious leaders just love, love the ego trip. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so we get down to verse 15 where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You search sea and land to make one proselyte, one convert, and when he is made, you then make him twice the child of hell that you are. Woe to you, blind guides, which say, Whoever swears by the temple, it's nothing, but whoever swears by the gold in the temple, he's a debtor. You fools, you blind! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold itself? And he goes on with several more examples, um, which still go back to Proverbs in a manner of speaking. Well, yeah, when you were reading that first part, of Pro I, that Proverbs passage came to mind as well um, about being, um, let's see. About binding, um, you were talking about mercy and truth. Yeah, mercy and truth. Um, but and in Proverbs, we're talking about love and faithfulness being bound around our necks. But now, in this first part of uh, Matthew chapter twenty-three, you're talking about the opposite. Like you, you know, there's this this burden being bound around our necks of of really the Pharisees' teaching. You know, right. because the Pharisees. And, and when I think about what you said about, um, or what you read about making making us twice, or making them twice the child of hell that they are, I think of that in, in a literal sense of you're not only making them follow the wrong path, but you're making yourself, so there's the wrong path, there's one layer. Second layer is you're making yourself the center of their gospel. Right. And you're also going into Proverbs uh, 3, 5, 6. You're putting your faith in the understanding of these men who declare themselves to be wise. Mm -hmm. um, and you're supposed to be putting your faith in God. Mm -hmm. Because your thoughts as a human, your thoughts are tainted. Um, tainted by the fall, weakened by the fact that we are certainly not God. We can't rely on what we think we know. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if Lene, your daughter, was uh, going to go and prepare a meal because she thinks she knows how mommy does it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great thought, but you know. <laughs> but her mind is not there yet. Yeah. And as between us and God, our mind is never going to be there this side of heaven. Right. And right. Probably even after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we're going to be just worshiping him the whole time. Precisely. But, so, it almost seems like Jesus, obviously, understanding the heart of the Pharisees a whole lot better than Paul would understand the hearts of any particular person, because we have uh, Jesus being God in flesh. Right. And then Paul, um, 
you know, just being completely sold out, you know. We do see this similar uh, wording that Paul is writing um, with an understanding of these um, teachers going in with, with great intention, maybe. But remember, Paul used to be one of these guys. Yes. He knew the competition from the locker room. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he used to be one. Yeah. Um, so he, he he knew him from the inside out. Yeah. Because he are one. Well, he, <laughs> were, he were one. Yeah, one. But yeah, so we have, um, then we get into Galatians chapter 3, which is kind of when we were first talking, that this passage connecting with the book of Proverbs chapter 3 as well. And, we, and we've talked about the context, we've talked about the culture, we've talked about why things were written and why all those kind of things. So and then we, we read this Matthew chapter, uh, which, which definitely connects to this, and here's what it says, um, starting in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did now, <laughs> let me stop right there. Rhetorical questions, whenever it's especially in biblical context, are so funny to me um, because he's he's poking at the issue in a way that makes them really stop and think, and it exposes them. Like, what what are you thinking? So anyway, sorry. Um, I would I would like to learn one just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by believing what you heard? He's referring, I feel like, back to all of this. Like, did the Messiah come because you were doing stuff? You know, uh, that's what I'm thinking about whenever I'm hearing this. Um, did, did the Messiah come and did he die and was he resurrected because you had an A on your report card? You know? Yeah. And, 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 and he's taking us to the mentality of you're doing all this stuff because y'all are terrible. You know, I mean, and, and he's including me in that and... He's including you in that. He's including himself in that. Um, and I would have just thought that these people are coming by. And, and you know what? We see it today. Well, let me just be honest. As a pastor, I get in this mentality or I get in this temptation maybe that I want to preach to my congregation, uh, just making them feel better about themselves and where they're at. You know, And I feel like maybe he's speaking a little bit to that too, where you know these... Once again, these um, teachers coming in, maybe saying a multitude of different things, like, you know, you have to do these things in order to be saved, um, Jewish law oriented, but pretty much you're okay. You know, you're, you know, but focus more on the law than Jesus or something like that. Mm-hmm. As long as you do these things in a good way and get an A, like I said, an A on your report card. As long as you, your rituals are all in sync and as long as everything's going according to plan, then Jesus will look your way and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and then verse 3, are you foolish after being, beginning, sorry, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain... So again, I asked, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by your believing what you have heard? 
So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That that to me is is a great a great um, link between the two passages. Right. So. And he spends some time um, on the example of Abraham, and as I mentioned at the beginning, he points out that Abraham and and the faith or the the faith of Abraham, as demonstrated through obedience, was what God called righteousness. Now, the faith was what God called righteousness. And the demonstration of that faith was his obedience, his trust to go out to a place he didn't know where he was headed. I mean, can you imagine the dinner conversation? Pack up, Sarah, we're heading out. Uh, out to where? I don't know. Uh, why? Because God said so. Okay, how long is this going to take? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, but Abraham is, and I, I failed to count up how many generations, but Abraham is uh, Moses's great, uh, great, 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 Lot's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Moses shows up. Uh, the, the Jewish people weren't even a people when the they covenant with Abraham yeah. was made. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they, I mean, they only existed in the mind of God because Isaac hadn't even showed up yet. Uh, And then you get Isaac to uh, Jacob to the 12, um, and then you start having, you know, the time, the 400 years in Egypt, and then they became a people. And then they came out of Egypt, having been under that, uh, that paradigm for so long. And God had to explain to them, this is who I am, and this is who you are. And this is how you will represent me. And that was where the law came from. Mm -hmm. But it was 400 years after the covenant that said, you know, you will be the father of many and you won't be able to count how many children you have. The stars in the sky, yeah. And and all nations will be blessed by your seed. Looking forward to Jesus, who in fact blesses everyone that comes to him from whatever tribe, tongue, language hand jive country. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, Secret handshake. <laughs> yeah. I was actually looking at sign language, but you know, that's okay. Yeah, so like, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, so I love that, how it all connects because we go from Abraham's faithfulness that, that was very much, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, prehistoric. It was mm-hmm. just God, yes. That was Precisely. It. Like, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to put, uh, put my tent up for the night? And then we see in the, in the story of Abraham, Abraham, and this is what just boggles my mind, not only is Abraham an example of faithfulness for us, but he's also kind of a reflection of our, our deepest heart's desire. Well, one of his deepest heart's desires, as we read about Abraham more, was this idea of community. So he wanted to, he wanted to please God. Um, absolutely, we see that so many times mentioned in Scripture, referring back to Abraham. He was like the all-star, one of our examples that we come to when you would go up to an ancient Jew or even a current, uh, you know, Jewish um, person, and you just mention Abraham, it gets you back in line, it gets your head straight again. And then Jesus said, "Before Abraham was." I am. I am. Exactly. So 
And we see examples of Abraham wanting, like, this proto-Judeo-Christian value mentality of inviting in the stranger, you know, Mm -hmm. and loving on people you don't know. And that love and faithfulness that we learn in Proverbs, go back in time, you'll see it in Abraham as well, Mm -hmm. is bound around his neck because all he did, and and this is where I think it, I think it all centers. All he did was say yes to God. You know, it's and like I'll do what you're asked to do. Yeah. And 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 we we see in Scripture it's said in so many words, but essentially everyone's pointing back to like this is why I'm talking about Abraham is because he didn't have tools, he didn't have rituals, he didn't have all of these kind of things. He just he just kind of wandered around the wilderness saying yes. And then we see that same thing reflected. We're trying to get back to that mentality in Exodus. Yes, we're getting out of captivity. It's that back background of um, of deliverance and faithfulness that we are to have to God. But we misunderstand that when we're in the Exodus because we're like, well, I'm I'm following God because He took me out of Egypt. Um, but what you're what you mentioned just now, I think, hits it right on the head. No, I follow God because he is. He also am. true. <laughs> <laughs> he, he am. Yeah. You know, um, he had not delivered, well, first introduction of Abraham, he didn't deliver him from Egypt, you know. No. Um, he just says, hey, follow me. And then, and we, and then we could get into disciples and all of that kind of thing. So, anyway, there's another point you... You were looking at on your on your notes. Did you did you want to mention? <laughs> <laughs> you have learned. <laughs> You're like I want to get to that. I can see her, you know, getting ready. So. Well, yeah. Something else that jumped out at me when I was looking in uh, Proverbs three. Um, when you get to verse 8, well, okay, let's start with verse 7 because there's an if-then here. and I'm a programmer, and when you have an if-then, you have to find the if. Right. Anyway, um, in 7, don't think you have all the answers. Reverence the Lord. Step away from evil. Move, not just turn. Make a distance. That's my notes. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, in verse 8, shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And then my mind just jumped into bio world real quick. The navel is the umbilical cord or the remainder of the umbilical cord. So it will be your life source. It will be the nourishment and the disposal source. As you reverence the Lord, as you seek him realizing in humility that you don't have all the answers and you step away from evil, it will be your nourishment and your disposal as though it were your umbilical cord. It will be marrow to your bones. Now, if you know what marrow is all about, it makes blood cells. Mm-hmm. I mean, it plain down makes the blood cells. It reproduces everything. And yeah. those are what carry um, what carry your nutrients throughout your body. It's what carries the oxygen and all of that stuff. The white blood cells are those that attack um, they're part of your immune system. So if anything comes against you to destroy you, those white blood cells go on the attack. Now, at this point, we've got, um, you know, things that go overboard in both directions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
But the bottom line is, once again, this is your nourishment, and this is your defense, this is your conquest, this is your disposal. And um, I picked up some of my information from thoughtco.com, just in case you want to know. Um, and one of the quotes in there uh, was something about, as the marrow gets diseased, if there's a problem in your, in your bone marrow, then you are left vulnerable um, and without defense. Mm -hmm. So if we look at that, relying on God's answers, recognizing that we don't have the answers, stepping away from evil as we recognize it, this is what gives marrow in our bones. This is what gives us the resources to be nourished, the resources to be defended from attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I that, thought it was that's cool. Fantastic. So, so we're looking at the same mentality as uh, going for the jugular, protect that as a sensitive portion, but now we're looking at it internally. Right. We're looking at, uh, at the mechanism um, by which God implanted in us for, for our protection. Right. And, and, and then we could get into a whole conversation for Oh, yeah. know, metaphorically <laughs> of the law of the spirit versus the law of the flesh and all of those kind of things or that which is you know one, one of the biggest pet peeves I have with Christians is that it's um, we get in this mentality of when if we were to hold someone accountable they'd say well you know I'm only human you know and while that's true that's not only true because we're not only human you know we were also made with this divine substance you know, mm -hmm. and that, and I say it that way, which is just a fancier way of saying, well, enough you could say it more fancy than the than the Pentecost event. But you know, the Holy Spirit was placed within us. You know, mm -hmm. we we have access to God every second of every day and every millisecond of every day. You know, that the one who created the universe, we can call upon Him immediately. You mm -hmm. know, and He responds. Sometimes, to my chagrin, He says no. <laughs> um, which I really want him to say yes, yes on some things. Yes, and, but and, Daddy, do you always say yes? <laughs> no, I do not. Are there times not. for the sake of your children's health and well-being and maturity that you say no? Yeah, yes, and he, and and there there is an interesting thought behind that. You know what happens when I say no to my kids is that my kids there's two there's two directions that we can go. Either we can whine, throw that tantrum, or what my kids will also try to do is manipulate. Mm -hmm. Like all, like all of a sudden, they're very compliant whenever they want something. Mm -hmm. I think that in a spiritual sense, sometimes we use the law or ritual or let's just say it like it is. Some or go to the far extreme rather, not just like it is, but legalism. We in your illustration using those words sometimes we try to manipulate God we do guilty as charged like if I do these things for you you have no choice God but to do exactly what I've asked you to do if I give an extra 20 in the offering plate at church you're obviously obligated you know to tell to, to answer this prayer and not only answer the prayer in but the manner and, that I wish. Exactly. And? In the timing that I wish. That's right, exactly. 
Our minds are in sync right now. This is scary. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So in the time that I wish, in the manner that I wish, then we begin. When that happens, we begin to create God in our own image. We do. So, and that's a temptation. Like I want God to look like. And here's another very very sad thing is that I do see young Christians who are growing in their faith and everything's going great. And when we start to incorporate this men, these mentalities, these unhealthy mentalities, then when God isn't bending to their will, then they fall back. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. There's that apostate, whatever that is, apostasy. Well, um, on the opposite end of the spectrum from the holy knotheads, uh, we've been hearing from the televangelists, not all of them. Not all of them. I respect several. Mm-hmm. Um, I disrespect several. <laughs> um, but but these kids have grown up um, under the notion that God is your is your genie, is your is your gumball machine, as Marshall once put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he is he is obligated to to do as you wish because of course mom and dad, you know. <laughs> Another tangent. My my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that we we learn that, or we believe that we learn that we can manipulate God. And um, I know you you had said uh, Proverbs three one through ten, and I looked at verses eleven and twelve as well, mm-hmm. and they seem to fit in the same pile. Yep. It says, "Don't reject the training. Um, don't reject the chastening, the discipline. His attention is evidence of a father's love. His effort toward your maturity." Now, granted, that's the Janine paraphrase that I have on this little piece of paper here, but, um, and I don't remember where that rabbit trail started. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. um, Yeah. So, I I guess to wrap up, because we are um, at the at our time limit here when it comes to um, recording time, so to speak. But, um, I want to say this: that if if we go back to Proverbs, uh, like you're kind of we're indicating here if if love and faithfulness is our law then we are taken back to a mentality of Abraham that just simply was faithful you know and we don't have to get into the rituals and traditions and things like that we honor them because we understand where that took us where we came from but we don't we don't, um, what am I trying to say? Here? We don't rely on that right. understanding. Right, exactly. So, as we close here, what is one nugget from today's conversation um, that, that you would want listeners to take away? Well, the two headlines... Um, Basically, look to God, not human constructs. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can look to God through human constructs, but don't rely on those. Yeah, amen to that. So, yeah, I, we, we have to, and my note it would be, we have to get to a point in our Christian lives where we don't just allow our ears to be tickled by what sounds like it makes sense. But we, but we dig deep into scripture, we dig deep into prayer, we dig we just dig deep, you know, and and we find out who Jesus is 
um, and follow him not just because he does stuff for us, but because he is who he is. Precisely. So, well, I appreciate the conversation today. Um, we, we could have gone on for hours, I think, and, and maybe we might go do a part two of this uh, because I feel like there's a whole lot more meat to, to chew into here. But uh, I appreciate your time, and um, we're, we're going to do this again and more often. I had a blast um, doing this. I feel like we sometimes the, the Bible study aspect can be so meaningful when it's two people Ideas off. So, well, you can dig more rabbit trails if you've got two shovels. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate um, you taking the time. Uh, go to my blog, uh, ministrysauce.com. Listen to the podcast, Mana Vibes. Thank you so much. Have a